Hey, you're listening to the uh, Kickstart podcast presented by 60 Helmets. And this morning we are joined by our buddy Jake Weimer, who's uh, living the retired life, living in Idaho now. But I'm assuming you watched the race and we can BS about the uh, Hangtown Open a little bit with uh, yep. me and Michael. Yep, yep. So I still watch all of them, so... Do you watch them, like, did you buy the NBC Gold yeah. package? Yeah. So you're that into it still. Yeah, I mean, I'm not home every Saturday, but I still, you know, when I can, pull it up on my phone and just check it out. So I watch it kind of as close as I can. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, uh, are you invested to any, into any of the results of any of the guys, like some mm-hmm. of your buddies? Yeah, I mean, there's a few guys, like, just people that I've known for a long time or, you know, buddies, um, AC and... You know, I'm sure the majority would say, you know, been pulling for Kenny and wanting mm-hmm. to see him get that win. So that was cool. So, I mean, there's a few of them that are just buddies and, you know, but I don't lose sleep over it. <laughs> <laughs> or you're not a fantasy goon, right? I actually did oh. play fantasy <laughs> and I I quit with like three, four rounds of Supercross left because it got to the point where it wasn't fun for me anymore. Yeah. So I stopped. Cool. How was the weekend for you, Don? For me? For you, yeah. Oh, uh, man. I saw you were a little worried about them hay bale steaks. Yeah, dude. Bell. Dude, I, uh, I, I, I saw one of them and was like, oh. And they still have them. Like, you know, there's a hay bale wall mm-hmm. around the outside of the first turn. Yeah. There's, I think there's still FMF banners in the first turn. And I was like, dog, don't go there. Dude, because I saw you posted, if you know, you know. Yeah. I know. But does the majority of people know about this? I think so. You know what? Uh, did a podcast with Plessinger once, yeah. and uh, I asked him, you know that one picture that was kind of popular of him laying on the ground looking at his oh, pants yeah. and Will's like looking into? Yeah. I asked him what that was about, and he told me he, he cut his, I think he cut his dick. <sighs> and so he, I was like, oh, I know all about that. I told him about that. So That's I remember funny. reading that story and like almost throwing up because yeah. it was just like so, so brutal to hear That's your story. Bad. Yeah, It was bad. That's pretty bad. Uh, a, a man should never see his child die. And he should never see his own testicle outside, <laughs> outside of the side of yeah. where it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't. I think I've been back to Hangtown since, but I can't remember. That but was like a the long one time that ago. the one that stands out is definitely. Yeah, you've been um, a couple times since then. Yeah, I would think that that had to be over ten years ago. Yeah, ish. Yeah, about that. Ago. It yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's still the most prominent Hangtown. Memory, memory and yeah. Memory. yeah, letting it all hang out at Hangtown, putting the sack in Sacramento. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, but no, it was a, it was an interesting weekend. Yeah, I always forget how quick the day at a national goes mm-hmm. compared to Supercross. Because like as media guys, Anton and I will go to Supercross at eight in the morning, and we have all day to get yeah. content, yeah. and then races, and then boom. But it's yeah. a long day, right? Like, yeah. Um, the national, you get there at seven and. If you got like an hour and then practice starts, you guys shoot practice and then everyone's hiding in their semi because it's a national and right. It was it was it was a pretty big adjustment for for the pace. Actually, yeah, those first two are always so hectic because everybody's like reserved too because they're trying to feel out what they're gonna do. You yep. can never really figure out what's going on and there's so much to see. I mean, there's a lot of stuff on the bikes that's the same, but then you know there's other stuff that's different yep. that you have to get. Right, right, right. Is it different for you guys? Like, is that a big adjustment to go from, you know, 9 to 11 one Saturday to 7 to 4 the next? Oh, it's different. I don't I don't know if I'd say it's a big adjustment, but, I mean, it's definitely – it's different in so many ways. I mean, the racing is a lot different. Um, the schedule's different. Um, you know, as far as get, you know, Hangtown's not that bad, but there's a few of them, you know, like Unadilla mm-hmm. or, you know, some of those, um, Bud's Creek's kind of similar where you're staying, you know, an hour away from the track or whatever yeah. and riders meetings at seven. So, you know, you're getting up pretty dang early and then, you know, like you said, the day's pretty busy, honestly, it's kind of mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. And then even the motos are pretty close together. Yeah. You know, back when I first started doing it, I mean, it was two days, which made it seem pretty lax. Mm -hmm. But now with everything in one day, and then I think even the last few years, um, even maybe the last couple years that I was racing outdoors, they scooted the first and second motos closer together. There used to be a bigger gap. 
But now, you know, between getting off the track from Moto One, you know, trying to eat, hydrate, change your gear, kind of get ready. Like there's not, you're not really hanging out. No. Like you're kind of mm-hmm. just back to the truck and getting everything done and situated for the next one. So, you know, it outdoors, it is a long day. Cause then, you know, you're a lot of times you're driving, not a lot, but you know, some of them, then you're driving an hour, hour and a half back to an airport or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. So, and then super early flight Sunday. So it's definitely different. You know, I think it's for obvious reasons. I think it's physically mm-hmm. a lot harder on you. Like they've pushed the second motos back to like, I think the 450 one's at four o'clock now. Mm-hmm. And that's way late compared to what yeah. it used to be. Yeah. But I never did a two day national. Yeah. They're horrible. Yeah. You said that you hated them. I kind of liked it, but also that was a long time ago. I don't, you know, but I thought it was kind of nice because you could fly in and Saturday was kind of the rest day kind of yeah i mean you uh, there was a couple practices i think but it wasn't you know it just seemed real mellow and you could kind of get some blood moving before Mm -hmm. you know racing on sunday i understand for the teams and you know it's another day that you're gone and so the mechanics are basically never home Mm -hmm. so i understand why they went there but i did kind of enjoy that two-day deal Mm. yeah i think I think just for me, it just meant another day away from home. I think working, I know. think for anybody other than the racers, I mm-hmm. think it makes sense. You know, and I'm sure you'd get different opinions from different mm-hmm. guys racing. But for me, I liked it just because you could kind of now where it's you know you're practicing for 20 minutes before you race and you've flown across the country mm-hmm. or whatever, Three time zones. and <laughs> yeah, different time zones, and then it's wake up at 5:30 and it's time to get down. Mm-hmm. So it was a little tougher i i liked when you had a little time to kind of get going and Mm -hmm. then saturday relax and get get some good sleep before the race sunday but Mm -hmm. i understand both sides of it hey for that stuff did you guys ever adjust your riding schedule like would you start earlier in the day during the week like hey if we know we have practice at this time on saturday we should start getting our bodies adjusted to being there earlier i never did for supercross you know about the month of december there was times in my career where I would do a spin at like nine at night mm-hmm. just to kind of let my body know like, Hey, it's not time to chill because this no, is right. going to be about time to start getting down. So I would do that. Okay. Like, there was a handful of years that I did that for Supercross, but for outdoors, i never, we never did that. That was never even a conversation, honestly, for me. Mm. I heard that um, Mike LaRocco used to like train at night. In preparation yeah. for Supercross season. I did that with him actually my rookie year. He kind of took me under his wing and I'd go to his house and train and then, you know, we'd ride it. And actually there was some time when he was helping me out that we would train in the morning and then go ride in the afternoon. Mm. And so it was just every, every, we were opposite of what everyone else was mm-hmm. doing. So, um, I, he did do some stuff like that cause mm. I was, I was around a little bit kind of at the end of his career to kind of see that was that the 131 year yeah yep it was that in uh indiana or california california here california yeah so his house in corona with mm-hmm. the yeah with the, with crazy the gym, gym downstairs. downstairs yeah that was pretty yeah. badass really cool house yeah uh-huh. really cool what was he like to work with was he as uh gnarly as everyone thinks he was awesome like i you know obviously i was a kid then and you know he was one of the boys like one of the real deal heavy hitters and i showed up to the honda track and you know he's a little bit of an intimidating guy and quiet and but once i got to know him like he was super funny like joking all the time and you know i got along with him really well so but i think until you get to know him like you can't really figure him out until you spend some time with him and he kind of opens up and um i enjoyed training with him and riding with him and hang like it was cool to get to know him for sure yeah one time uh when i first moved to corona i, I took my family to red robin we, we sat down and i was like come oh, i'm gonna order a hamburger and then loraco and his his family sat down in the booth next to us and i was like oh hey mike and i was like i don't even know why but i was like oh man the rock is watching <laughs> i can't get a cheeseburger i'm gonna eat a salad <laughs> so i ordered a salad and then when we were leaving, because we we were we were done before them, I walked by and he has a hamburger. 
So, <laughs> so I text him. I'm all, man. I told him, like, this is kind of funny, but I, I ordered a salad because you guys sat You're trying down to impress him. You know, because, I mean, I remember the days of the stories of Loraco weighing his food that he ate. Yeah. I never saw any of that. But. So I'm like, so I ordered a salad. And he goes, oh, dude, should have got a burger. <laughs> I got two refills on my fries. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah. He's, uh, he's a cool dude. I haven't seen him around. Is he still living in Corona? I don't know. I haven't seen him, honestly, in a couple of years. I don't. I don't know. I heard that he is, but I don't. I haven't seen him. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know what he's doing. Okay. Well, hey, let's talk about the race this weekend. I mean, you you watched it, obviously, yep. right? Yep. Um, it's funny because during the week going up to it, I'm like watching the weather app, and I'm like, damn it, hundred percent rain for sure. Yeah. So I mean, I packed my Napoleon Dynamite ski boots and snow boots and a rain snow suit. boots. You know these these North Face waterproof things, yeah, are like yeah. fur on the inside and all that. But uh, so I was super prepped for it. But then the first one and a half motos were like sweet, like yeah. the track was awesome looking. And yeah, uh, um, you know then obviously it opened up and started downpouring. But uh, I was really pumped to see Kenny win, and uh, I was telling him. Dude, I was like, I crossed the track. I broke the rules and crossed the track and got to the outside of the finish line to get his celebration. Yeah. He just rolled over the finish line and waved to the crowd. <laughs> I guess he wasn't too pumped until he got to the podium, but Yeah. But uh Yeah, I thought I'm assuming that the majority of the industry was probably yeah, pulling really for him just because of the story and um you know, what he's gone through to get there and He's been so close now for a couple year, year and a half, mm-hmm. or whatever it's been, and it's like he's gonna get it this time. He's gonna get it, but then it's like, geez, is he ever gonna get it again? But um, that was cool. I'm stoked for him, and you know, hopefully, hopefully it turns into a, a good series. And um, you know, there's a few guys that I think can battle. So um, yeah, that was I was glad to see him pull that off. Probably the best time that it could happen too. Like even though it was would have been great to win that Dallas Supercross and all that yeah. stuff. All the health issues that he's had recently yeah. that have killed his momentum. He needs this now more than ever. Yeah, and honestly, the first moto I was watching, and I mean, he had, I think he had the quickest time in both, actually, yeah. both motos. But the first one, he just rode phenomenal. Like, it it literally looked like he was cruising around, mm-hmm. just super low, which he rides like that, you know, real low RPM, but he just made it look so easy. So, um, yeah, that was cool to see. His riding style, too, really worked well. You could mm-hmm. see all the different stuff that he's been doing. Those 4 p.m. Yeah. motos at Paula have really paid off. Yeah. Yeah, well, put in I, the time. Yeah. I was watching Eli, and he caught fire and came through the pack. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like all of a sudden he was just like, hmm. And the first moto? Yeah. Yeah, he was like eighth on the first lap mm-hmm. and then came came up. But then him and Anderson, I don't think he expected Jason to fight him that hard. Yeah, yeah. he kind of stalled out After there when that. he got yeah, behind him. But I thought Anderson was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I thought that was really good. I mean, I didn't know what to expect with his injuries. It's been a long time, really, since he yeah, yeah. he was out for quite a while. So I thought he did really well and fought, you know. So for him to get on the podium the first round and his first race back, I thought was very mm-hmm. good. Yeah, he didn't give in to anybody. Like, fought Cooper a little bit, fought yeah. Eli, did what he did. And those guys do. that did good. You know, beyond that, they had they really raced two different tracks. That mm-hmm. second moto was completely, you know, so wet that for those guys that were consistent, I think that's a good sign that you know they're they're going to be good all summer just because they were. You know, first moto was so much different than the second, and you know those top handful of guys that had consistent scores um, did well both motos. So mm-hmm. um, that that'd be a tough first round. That second moto looked difficult the first one looked difficult <laughs> yeah no it, that one looked sure. like the most technical and rough hang town in a while just because they didn't rip it or water it too mm-hmm. heavy yeah yeah no i thought it was uh that one seems to always be i think a lot of guys it's tough hang town is a little bit you know coming off super cross and not a lot of time mm-hmm. to prepare and then hang town for some reason is always a little bit tricky um for whatever reason but uh Okay. I would rather go down like Mount St. Helens than that one long downhill. Oh, yeah. Dude, down. yeah. yeah. That track looks te- like terrifying. Yeah. 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 Fast. Fast. Yeah. With jumps. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, coming in Anaheim, one, there's all this like hype and electricity and 
I don't want to say pressure, but like everyone's so pumped up about it, right? Yep. Is it like that for the first national or not really? I never felt the same at the first outdoor that I did at the uh, first Supercross Anaheim one. But I think part of that's too because you haven't, your competition, other than the guys on your team, you haven't seen them in a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or, or maybe even longer than that. Where as the first round of outdoors, you've seen everybody for 17 weekends. So yeah. it's just, you're kind of already in that race zone and you're familiar with everybody. And so I never felt that same feeling as Anaheim one. Because you, you, there's just so many unknowns. You have no mm-hmm. idea. You've been training for two, three months, um, and you hope that you're going quick enough and you're fit enough, and but you really don't know. You know, you can go in there thinking you're the man and end up, you know, seventh and get smoked or whatever, yeah. or or vice versa, just not really know and end up having a great performance. So, I think that's part of it. It's same for I assume for media guys, you guys, is that. You go around the test tracks and you watch people ride, but they're on their track, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and you just, you've, you haven't seen anybody together, really, like I said, other than teammates, but um, there's just a lot of unknown. Like even the media day they did at Paula a few weeks ago, it's great, but at the yeah. same time, too, you can only figure out so much when there's no lap times to go against. Or right, like that. right. Yeah. So, and practice days are different than Saturday race mm. day, gate drop. I mean, it's... Some people step up, some people, you know, you watch them practice and you think they're going to go 24 and 0, mm-hmm. you know, it's just race day is different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when guys are, uh, you know, they always talk about Glenn Helen being stopwatch nationals, right? Yeah. How much does that really matter? Like, I mean, you're out there and your, your team is taking lap times on everybody, right? Yeah. Is it like, is there anything to be gained or learned by that? Like, oh. Man, he's faster than me. That seems like it just bum you out. I think it depends on the guy. For me, it was important to me, you know, just because it it was a a gauge for me or a marker just to kind of see where I was. Mm-hmm. But some people just they don't really care about it, and they know that you know they're not handing out points or bonus checks on Thursday, mm-hmm. so they they just they don't let it bother them. And you know, I wouldn't say if I left the track and wasn't the fastest guy that it was over for me, but I definitely used it as a gauge. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would try just to see where I was at, but does it really matter? No, it doesn't. Cause they're not paying you on Thursday and, and they're not handing out points. So does, you know, like I said, I probably depends on the guy. Mm-hmm. Would you, okay. So say that you're one of those guys that gets like a top 10 result, but you're 45 seconds away from the leader. Yeah. Is that a huge demoralizing thing? Or are you just like, well, it's first race. I got to not let this beat me down for the other 11. I think it depends where you are and what your goals are. I mean, if you get 10th and you're 45 seconds back, if your goal is to win, then yeah, you're demoralized. Mm-hmm. But if your goal is, you know, I want to get some top fives and I think you're fine. I think that's a marker for you. And then you just keep pushing towards that. I think it's all relevant to where, where you're trying to get you know so mm-hmm. i mean if eli got 10 45 seconds back yeah i'm sure he'd be pretty bummed you yeah. know mm-hmm. but you know i don't I, can, I don't even have an example but someone else you know that's not expected or expecting himself to win you know if if top five's his goal and he gets 10th you know well then i don't know if it's demoralizing you're not happy but you, you just, see where you can improve yeah you just start plugging away mm-hmm. so you kind of retired quietly. There is no retirement tour or big announcement. Um, how did you come to the decision? And uh, I mean, I don't have a great story to be honest. I mean, really, I just knew. You know, I I think the last couple years I raced, there were some injuries that for sure played a part in it. Um you know specifically being the one september of 17 you know my elbow which i need to have surgery on it again Mm -hmm. and came back from that tried to race and then the second time i raced or whatever it was then broke my hand Mm -hmm. and my wrist and it was Mm -hmm. just like i did it for 13 years and you know got beat up a little bit at the end and just 
for me, I no longer felt like I was competitive or where mm-hmm. I wanted to be, what, what motivated me to get those results. And I just felt like that was fading. Mm-hmm. And I just figured I'm, I'm beat up. I don't feel like I can be where I want to be anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've had enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I really all I did, and you know, there wasn't a big announcement or, you know, which like Dungey did the deal. And like, I understand, I think that's great. But for me, I was like, well, I don't really know how to like, what's appropriate. Mm-hmm. So I just had a buddy, um, Kyle Cowling, just shoot a little video in my house. I talked to him, just shot a little video and just shot something out on mm-hmm. Instagram. And yeah, that was kind of it. I, I talked about it. I talked about it with my wife and some friends and I just like, I don't, there's no playbook on how you do this. So mm-hmm. I did what I thought was appropriate. And yeah, that was that was basically the story. Could you have continued racing? Was there a ride for you? I did talk to, um, excuse me, <clears throat> Genova mm-hmm. and Tony at Moto Concepts at Vegas. And, you know, with the injuries I had and all that that I dealt with, they, they told me, because I talked to them at length and just kind of at that time, I honestly still felt like I wanted to give it another shot. But at Vegas, I talked to them and they said, you know, take a couple months off, relax, heal up, you know, get right. And if you want to give it another run, you've got a spot on the team. Mm-hmm. But I took a couple months off, didn't really do anything. I think I rode twice and. It was just, it just wasn't there. I just, I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to. So that was it. But they did tell me, which was cool of them, mm-hmm. just because I was really excited about the year and I got my deal done with them early and I was riding the bike and I liked the bike mm-hmm. and I was riding really well. But then after that injury, that one, that one kind of, I think, deflated me and um, I was trying to come back from it. But honestly, you know, it was a, bike malfunction and a part failed the rear hub Mm -hmm. specifically and i think that's what it scared me um to crash and get hurt like when i did after i came back from that one and just broke my hand and my wrist Mm -hmm. like that one i didn't even care i mean i had to have surgery and it was a pain but Mm. didn't scare me i didn't care but i started i got like paranoid like a bike failure and Mm. i just i couldn't get over it and that was your sign. I mean, I knew, I'm like, you know, I tried to just, it is what it is, leave it alone. But unfortunately, bike failures happen mm. and it's happened to me. Well, I'm sure it's happened to everybody numerous times, but I've always gotten lucky mm-hmm. and not gotten injured. And that one, it got me. And, you know, you want to get back on and just think that it'll never happen again. But it's motorsports and parts fail sometimes. So I think ultimately that was the, the nail. Yeah. You've got a couple good scars oh. on your arms and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And I've heard quite a few guys recently say like, I don't want to crash anymore. I don't want to race anymore because I don't want to go under the knife again. Yeah. You having that many surgeries, is that like playing on your mind? Cause I've never like been knocked out and had to go under the knife. So that whole anesthesia thing and all that. No, that doesn't bother me. I never, like, I would rather do that than go to the dentist. I hate having my teeth worked on. But the the surgery, anesthesia, going through all that, I mean, some of them were painful, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't, that the whole process, it doesn't worry me or I don't get all wigged out about it. It's It's just part of it. It's just part of it. But, I mean, it, yeah, it didn't bug me. Okay. I didn't like it, but. Well, obviously, (laughs) Well, hey, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but we'll be right back with Jake Weimer. Hey, SWAT Moto listeners, this is Zach Osborne, rider for the Rockstar Energy Husqvarna factory racing team. I love my FC 450 race bike, but I also love the FC 350. It has the handling of a 250 and the power of a 450, making it the perfect bike for both professional and amateur riders. Right now, Husqvarna Motorcycles is giving SWAT Moto listeners 1,500 reasons to get a brand new FC 350. Hurry into your local authorized Husqvarna Motorcycles dealer to find out more on the limited time offers available to get you on the track today. 
So, Jakey, how's life in Idaho? It's Moved good. Out, yeah. What, rather, how's the wife handling the snow? Well, it's not snowing now, but oh. we, we moved there in the thick of, of winter, and it and there was snow on the ground, but she's she seems to like it, and, you know, it's not like we just made this decision out of nowhere. We mm-hmm. talked about it, and mm-hmm. we had visited numerous times, even while I was still racing, and talked about it, and made the decision to just try it out and see how we like it, so... So far, so good. It's been it's been nice, and you know, racing and doing that, traveling all the time, being out here, sitting in the traffic, all those things. It's kind of it's been nice to go there, and it's just mellow, mm-hmm. slow pace of living. Um, so it's been enjoyable. I'm digging it, mm-hmm. and I think she's liking it too. Did you ever think you were going to move back there? I never really thought about it, honestly, until probably the last few years I was racing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my wife and I had had the conversation, like, would we ever move here? And, you know, so I didn't think about it too much because I was just so focused on the racing and, you know, just it wasn't even an option at the time. So I didn't really even think about it. But the last couple of years I did. And, uh, yeah. I've been to the gas station in Rupert. It's nice. Yeah? Yeah, we were driving through from uh, St. Anthony to Washougal. Yeah. Or Salt Lake to St. Anthony to Washougal. Yep. So we stopped through there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just Rupert, and we're like, oh, we have to stop here. Yeah, yeah. that's the spot. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because a lot of the teams drive through there um, headed to Washougal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. It's right on the way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you sold the house in Elsinore, right? Uh, in Wildemar, yeah. Huh? But you sold it. Yeah, sold it. So you sold that and bought a new property in Idaho, I'm assuming? So I was trying, that's what I was trying to do. But for some reason, I, I thought the house was going to sell super quick. Mm-hmm. But I had it sold. And I think nine days before closing, the, the buyers disappeared. Gone. Gone. Yeah. Couldn't get a hold of them. So then I was like, geez, like, I don't want to sit around and wait. So I bought a house there and then we moved there. And then like two weeks after we move, it sold. Oh, okay. so. what, what is the uh, proportion? Like you sold this California house for this much and you got this much more in Idaho? Yeah. So it was, it was cheaper. So, and the house I bought in Idaho is like bigger on mm-hmm. the river. And then the one here was just in a crammed subdivision. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cheaper out there. And, um, but the, the California house was good for me though. Cause I bought it, um, at the end of 09. Mm-hmm. So, and then sold it, Before you know? Boom. Yeah. So that one, that one was good for me and it served its purpose and, you know, I got what I needed out of it. So yeah, it yeah. was good. Did you take everything with you? Like the championship bike and mm-hmm. so do you have a big moto room? Not years. yet. I haven't gotten that far. I'm going to, um, but I moving's a lot of work, as you oh. know, and especially moving 12 hours away. So we're getting there. That's the plan is to kind of have like a little um, trophy room bar area, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't gotten there yet. And I can't even, I have to keep the bike out of the house right now because I have a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so I can't, she, I can't, she can't be around it. I've, I, a couple months, well, probably six months or so ago, I was trying to figure out what to do with it, and I was sitting there, and she rolled her finger in the chain. Oh. oh. Luckily, it didn't hurt her. Yeah. But I had to run over there and spin the tire forward to get her finger out. Oh. And so I can't, it can't be around her. So yeah. I got to figure out how to encase it and close it so she can't yeah. do that. You so have the golf balls over the foot pegs right now. <laughs> it's not even no. it's not even at my house oh, okay, right now okay. yeah because i don't that that wasn't good so um yeah i haven't gotten that far but at some point i'll get there yeah okay you're you're riding a yz450 now yeah and what are your graphics on it like let's ride bro yeah or something? let's ride let's ride it's the local dealership at home oh okay yeah and you have something to do with the track now or no not really i the local track at home it's it's um at the fairgrounds so it's just it's their property you know or community property but i i did go in there and uh 
got a few practices this summer, mm-hmm. so I've been kind of heading that deal um, with some buddies, partners of mine, and um, yeah, so we have practices, but that's that's mm-hmm. all we're doing. Just just us, we don't have anywhere to ride, you know, unless yeah. it rains and you go out to the hills. But we don't have you know five tracks, and this one's open Monday, that one's open Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We don't have we're that. So, so it was you know partly because I wanted to ride too, and just for you know, business for the store, it's good and people want to ride. And so I wanted to try and give them somewhere to go. So, so we got a handful of practices this summer that, mm-hmm. um, that's why I'm flying out tonight. Cause we have one Wednesday, so I'm going to go help with that. Um, so yeah. Did you ever, uh, like when you retired, did you ever like not want to ride dirt bikes for a while? No, I, no, I didn't pretty much all last summer. I, you know, I probably only rode four or five times the whole summer, you know, or really from April till, you know, till winter, I, I rode four or five times. Um, but now I got, I got a bike and mm-hmm. I've been riding a little bit again and I actually raced last weekend at the local track. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. How'd that go? It was good. It was fun. I hadn't raced in a long time and I hadn't raced, you know, an outdoor race in four and a half years so um it was fun though i had a good time um track was awesome and yeah it was it was fun there's a ton of people there yeah a lot of people there so it was it was cool um something the guys in your position end up coming back like look at nick way or villaman these guys that have all this knowledge that come back to be riding coaches for a younger kid would you want to do that like do you want to go back in the grind of going to every race and looking at all these things because you have a lot of knowledge that somebody could benefit from yeah i i would be open to it i haven't sought it out um but it is something that would be fun for me especially Mm -hmm. if you kind of had a young kid that had potential that you could just kind of help guide him in the right way and you know basically not do the mistakes that i did or Mm -hmm. you know try and help out in that way but I do actually, there's a few kids around home that I train a little bit and help coach. So, mm-hmm. um, I do that a little bit, but, um, as far as like on the professional side, I mean, it is something I would be interested in doing, but mm-hmm. I'd, you know, it'd have to be the right scenario and, you know, but I haven't sought it out, but it would be cool. When you're racing and say someone older than you came up and was like, Hey, you should try this. Did you listen to them actively yeah. or were you just like, Bleh. no, I always tried to listen and, you know, at least listen and Mm -hmm. if if i didn't agree or whatever but for the most part i had people around me that were knowledgeable you know so i did get a lot of advice um especially in my younger years you Mm -hmm. know when i first started you know like larocco was helping me out Mm -hmm. that first year at factory connection and um even being especially around that time as a rookie coming into supercross can't get through the whoops you're crashing Mm -hmm. twice a day and i'm and you know, I remember like McGrath would help me out. Um, Wyndham would help me out, LaRocco. So it was cool because all these guys that you look up to and mm-hmm. have done amazing things in the sport are sitting there giving you advice. I mean, you listen. Mm-hmm. You did have a really good group around you yeah. the whole time. I never thought there was like, oh, he has one of the goofball guys around. No, I was <laughs> my first year. I mean, it was Honda track. It would be, you know, McGrath, Wyndham, Fonseca, um, and then on factory connection it was me leninovich who was mm-hmm. really good at the time super fast um josh grant i think tommy hahn was there and he mm-hmm. was doing well um so yeah there was there was a lot of good guys and and that were doing good at the time too so mm-hmm. i i had uh i had plenty to learn yeah yeah it was good it was fun yeah just when you mentioned that rundown i just think of the no fear gear yeah and the sobe graphics yeah Yep. So what was your favorite kit through your your career that you wore? When did you think you looked the, the sweetest? At the time, I really did like that No Fear stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a lot of cool colorways and, you know, all that. Uh, Didn't No Fear make some, like, brown gear? Something that looked like yeah. Louis Vuitton mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton stuff, yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, it was like... Uh, yeah, they did. It was like brown and gold. It was like Gucci colored. Yeah, basically, <laughs> they had that houndstooth stuff that was sick. Yeah. The white and gray. Yeah, um, they did a lot of stuff for you guys though. Like back then, Geico was really open to like yeah. trying different gear out for different yep. rounds. I remember the one round we had. Uh, 
Yeah, the gold like bikes. Gold. Yeah. Yeah. That for was that in gold. San Diego, I think. Yeah, for that energy drink yeah. flavor. Yeah. No, they we had some cool stuff and and then to be honest, I really have worn it now for a few years, but the seven stuff, mm-hmm. I've I've really enjoyed that and mm-hmm. the quality's top notch and I just like a lot of the colorways I think yeah. are cool. So I had some some kits there when I was wearing the seven that I thought were really cool. I like the uh your last cover with us. I like that kit you wore on that. It was like uh yellow oh on the two stroke yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was cool i liked an answer how they did the weimer with the 12 in your name yeah then did a good job i had on some that. cool gear with them some limited edition stuff that i thought was yeah. really cool some some camo like a couple different versions of camo um that that i thought looked really good so i was the good thing is is that throughout the whole my whole career i never had to put something on that i was like <laughs> oh like it was always stuff that was that was pretty good so um but yeah those ones probably stand out the most yeah were you one of those guys that was really detailed about like what sticker went where on your helmet or what you were gonna wear like a nick way um, not that not <laughs> that bad um but i mean yeah i i always i was into it mm-hmm. you know i liked that stuff and you know especially like at pro circuit because you're wearing the same stuff every weekend, I was like, always like, ooh, I'm gonna wear different colored gloves and yeah. match the gloves with the goggles. And yeah. So, you had to get creative there. Yeah. <laughs> Did that get tiring? Like wearing a team uniform? That oh, it changed twice a year, right? Like you had a different supercross and outdoor yeah. would be a, a notch different. So, I didn't really care. I mean, during the week you can wear whatever you want. So, um, the only thing. Which it didn't matter to me, but like my dad watching or or my wife, um, is that sometimes you, if people are at a distance, you can't yeah. tell who's mm-hmm. who. So, so is that where the the gloves came into play? Hey, well, that wasn't one. really my thought behind it. My <laughs> thought behind it was just to do something different. So, yeah, I didn't need to see me out on the track. I knew. What it was. Did you keep a lot of stuff? Like I know Chad yeah. has a ton of stuff, but he got rid of a lot. Uh, I know quite a few guys have at least one thing from every year or did you just give it away because you didn't think about it at the time no i have a fair amount of stuff i don't have a ton but i have i pretty i'm pretty confident saying i have at least one or two kits from each year Mm -hmm. and like my very first pro race ever was us open 05 Mm -hmm. and it was shift gear and i Mm -hmm. have that so i was i was conscious about wanting to keep Mm -hmm. i even still have some of my custom painted amateur helmets oh really they're, yeah they're pretty cool so yeah i i kept stuff along the way and um i have yet to frame a single piece of it <laughs> but i need to get on that That's what expensive did... i know Framing jerseys cost a lot ikea dog twenty dollars <laughs> it's easy yeah that's we've talked about that um so for you guys now like going forward it's got to be fun though to kind of re engage yourself with the sport after like a little bit of a break and it not be as serious or pressure filled or yeah. dramatic. I mean, for yeah. you now, this is a whole new chapter. Yeah. And I, I do enjoy it. I'm, I've always been a fan of the sport and it wasn't something that I just happened to be good at, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really, you know, passionate about it. You know, for me, it wasn't just a living or something that I was good at. I, I am a, a true motorcycle enthusiast, you know, mm-hmm. and I love, I I really enjoying riding right now and um you know watching the races and I'm I like it I always have so um it is nice to be able to sit back and watch it and you know I still know a lot of guys and mm-hmm. talk to a lot of people so it's fun to to be on the other side of the fence and you know not be obligated really to do anything and just be a fan of the sport and i can go ride whenever i want and mm-hmm. if i don't want to ride i don't and mm-hmm. so it's i'm enjoying it for sure i'm good yeah so so what does retired life consist of right now are you working at all or are you just riding no kind of helping here helping there no i do i do some stuff last summer i didn't do anything really mm-hmm. and that sucked um so since i've moved you know like i got those practices that i'm helping out doing um I'm involved with the Let's Ride store mm-hmm. at home. And so just kind of dink around and help do little things here and there. Um, and then coach some kids here and there. Mm-hmm. I'm working on doing a subdivision right now that's 
you know, kept me busy and not not super busy, but you know, I got to pay attention and have a few things that I got to do. So, are you gonna be like a slumlord or something? No, I'm just gonna. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna be a slumlord. Um, just gonna sell some lots and. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a couple different things that I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not busy every day, but um, it seems like the last month I've been pretty busy, and uh, so yeah, I've found things to fill my time, and um, yeah, it's been it's actually nice though. I I'd rather be busy than like last summer I didn't really do anything and that's not that's not good so you get to spend a lot of time with your daughter though oh yeah like yeah spent a lot of time with my family and then my dad lives like five doors down from me (laughs) my grandpa's five miles down the road my grandma's 10-15 minutes away my little sister's 15-20 minutes away so I spent a lot of time with family and Mm -hmm. I still have some friends that I grew up with there and so um yeah it's been it's been cool i mean it's it's an adjustment for sure it's pretty it's pretty weird to pretty much have somebody tell you what to do every single day mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know a trainer team mechanic or you know you have signings or whatever it is you you have a schedule that's planned out for you mm-hmm. really and then one day it's like you wake up and you're like mm. I don't really know what to do now because now I got to learn how to be an adult (laughs) and, and you know, it's, it's definitely an adjustment, but, um, for me, I think what's, and and I'm honestly, I'm sure this is the way for most is that I think it's important to stay busy and do something. So, Mm. um, that definitely makes it better. And, um, you know, it's, it's an adjustment, but I am, I'm good. Like Mm -hmm. I'm enjoying life right now and, doing things that I want to do and mm-hmm. um yeah it's I'm not complaining what about training is that something you still do because you enjoy the the feeling of it or are you just over it I didn't do anything really for shoot I don't know I mean eight months but I just now I'm getting back into it and really because you <laughs> you're fit and healthy for so long that you're just like, yeah, this is just normal. This is how I feel. But then you don't do anything, you know, and you're not eating as well. And then all of a sudden you're like, I feel like shit. (laughs) And so I'm now starting to get back into it a little bit. And, you know, I do enjoy working out. So Mm -hmm. um, am I going to work out how I did when I was racing? No, but Mm -hmm. I do enjoy working out and, you know, make you feel better. And so... But for a long time, I wasn't doing yeah. anything. Has has RV tried to get you on an e bike yet? Uh, we've talked about it. He hasn't <laughs> tried to get on me it. on it, but yeah, he he <clears throat> loves it. So, are you doing a lot of the farming now too? No, my dad farms, and if he needs some help or something, you just I'll jump in, help him out. Yeah. But no, I don't. It's not. Yeah, I don't farm. Okay. I actually kind of would like to grow a crop though, just to see how it goes, yeah. but. Um, what, what I have dad... some farm land, so, yeah. but I don't, I don't farm. What does your dad grow? Sugar beets. Ah. Yeah. Is that, and... I think, you know what, I, I think after the war and the relocation thing, mm-hmm. my mom relocated to Idaho. Really? And she worked on a sugar beet farm and yeah. she said, those are the ones when you pick them, your fingers get all stained, right? Mm, no, that might be like red beets. Yeah. But uh, sugar beet, a little kid. it kind of, anyway, a sugar beet, it's where they get sugar. It goes through a process and they cook it down and you get, you end up with sugar. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the beet, you're like, I don't understand how this is going to become grain sugar. Yeah. Like, but it, it's, there's a sugar factories there and they run it through the whole process. And yeah, you end up with a bag of white satin sugar. Mm. So, and then for quite a few years, uh, we had a contract with Coors Light to grow barley. No way. Yeah, but he's not doing that anymore. Mm. But, you just yeah. have cases just showing up at the house? No. No, it didn't work <laughs> like that. Didn't work like that, unfortunately. That's okay. <laughs> hey, do, you guys, uh, do you guys still do 12 and pay? Yeah. Yeah, Nicole's still doing that. And yeah, that's going pretty well. Um, she was actually telling me the other day I need to get some more men's stuff going but anyway yeah you do because this is the only hoodie I oh have. yeah look at that look at that i played there the part today yeah mm-hmm. i sketched that out you did pen, pen i like pad. this hoodie a lot i know because 
so yeah anyway um yeah she's still doing it yeah going good so speaking of the 12 did, did McElrath call you and say hey bro i'm taking your number no no he didn't call me but keith called me oh did he yeah keith called me um and he's like, you care? I'm like, Dude, I don't care. Like, I'm not going to use <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. You don't seem like the type that would be like, oh, no. No, my dad asked me, is it weird seeing the number 12 out there? No, it's not. Yeah. Like, I don't own it. Yeah. You know, I used it for a while, but uh, no, nah, I, I don't mind. Yeah. So getting back to the company, though, how does it work? You're, Nicole just like decides she's going to make a run of something and does it and blows it out on the internet or... Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, I don't, I mean, I stay out of it for the most part, like, except if I want some men's stuff done or whatever, I'll help her with that. But as far mm -hmm. as the women's stuff, I, she does, she finds stuff she wants to sell or makes mm -hmm. something that she wants to sell and posts it up online and sells it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but aside from like that hoodie and like, she'll ask me about men's stuff. Like, do you like this? Do you like that? But other than that, I don't, it's not, I run to the post office for her and drop stuff off, but drop ship. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So man, what, what, what's your week like this week? You're flying back to Idaho tonight. Yeah. I got to fly back to Idaho tonight. Um, cause we have practice on Wednesday. Then I'll fly back here to California Thursday night. Then Friday, we're going to Havasu for Memorial. Mm -hmm. And then I come back to California um so i'm getting a bike so i'm gonna do the washugal 125 race oh. so i'm gonna ride it and then i'll take it home so i can ride it a little bit before Was driving back then yeah i we drove up here because I, I needed to get that bike so so you um, can't take these covers i brought you yes it's only been about <laughs> how long eight yeah. years something like that right it takes us time that's okay there's other oh, is it the the 2012 cover yeah, well, let's see. Yeah. I I remember that one. That's my I think that's my favorite cover. Yeah. Yep. And look. Two of them. There we go. Now I need to get the two-stroke one too, like that. Oh. I don't know if the file's available. Oh, I mean, yeah. We all got fired and <laughs> shut down. We'll just take it to Kinko's and scan it. There we yeah. go. Yeah. You have there a barcode on it. It'll be fine. How many covers did you have through your career? I don't know. All titles. I don't know. You had Racer X covers, I'm sure, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I I know I've had one Racer X. I don't know if there's... I think you had some Dirt Rider covers when, when you were on Geico, on like Factory Connection. I think you got something. I don't know. I don't know about that. I've got some it, it Cycle been News a, ones. It would have been a shared cover because I always had like 15 pictures. Yeah. yeah. It's probably like around the US Open or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. I don't know. I have that stuff all boxed up, but <clears throat> like I said, we haven't, I haven't done the framing stuff and we haven't done all that because I knew when all this was going on, I was out in either Florida or out in that house in Wildemar mm -hmm. and I knew we wouldn't be there forever. So we didn't go through all the work to get it all hung and do mm -hmm. all that. So I have it all in boxes, jerseys, pants, like my designation stuff, championship mm -hmm. stuff. I have all of it, so we we were actually just talking about it the other day that we need to get it all done up and get it hung on the walls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Designations. You gotta you gotta print out that picture I sent you the other day. <laughs> there's a <laughs> there's a lot of pictures from that night that are that are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I looked through old hard drive, and I found this one that said, you know, designations. I'm like clicking on it. Dude, I found some. Remember when Dungey got all drunk and put on your gear? Oh yeah, and was dancing oh, yeah. in the party. And, oh yeah, yeah. I have video of all that. Yeah, it was hilarious. I remember that. Like, and so we were all drinking, and I don't even know how or why, but I somehow was like, "Dude, you should put my gear on and go dance around." <laughs> so I don't know. We thought it was a great idea, but I'm pretty sure the pant and jersey were new, had not been worn. But the boots and helmet I had worn, so they were still like sweaty. Yeah. And so he suited all up, goggles and everything, so no one knew who it was except for a couple yeah. of us. But it was pretty hilarious. That was a fun night. That's why I followed him through the party with my video camera, and he was like freaking on girls and stuff. <laughs> like, oh. But you remember after, right? 
when he took all the year off and he started humping on it. No, no, I missed all that. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I was on the plane coming home from Hangtown, and I was. I, I sat next to Dean Ferris on the plane, right? Yeah, I saw and that. And so I'm like, oh, let's do How Was Your Weekend? So I did it with my phone, mm-hmm. and I airdropped it to myself while I was editing the video on the plane. Yeah. But you know when you do airdrop, you see people's names pop up? Yeah. And Jade's iPhone showed up. Jade, oh, Jade yeah. Dungey was two rows in front of me, so yeah. I have a screen grab of that incident I was talking about. With, <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I airdropped it to Jade, and I just hear him start laughing like <laughs> two seats above. But, uh, yeah. Well, you know, designations, they start shoving that limoncello down you. And... Oh. <laughs> you lost a sleeve to read there, didn't you? He was ripping everyone's sleeves off at the I think party. I did, yeah. And somehow I ended up with a David Philippart shirt on that I was running that. <laughs> but you were pissed at that guy, right? Ivan he, was. Oh, Ivan, Ivan was, okay, was going to yeah. beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lots of memories. Yeah. Well, hey, um, you got anything else, Anton? I mean, I think no, this I'm is good. It's good to great see to you. Catch up. I yeah. remember I saw you at Anaheim this year in Dean's Trail. I didn't even know it was you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very I, yeah. That was I weird. went to Anaheim too. Yep. And um, you know, I don't know if I'd call it a beard, but I try. I'm oh. 31. I'm hoping it'll come in one day. But anyway, I hadn't shaved or anything. I had long, like not super long, but shaggy hair and facial hair. Nobody nobody recognized me not a person um and like i'd go up to people like you or you know people that i've known for a long time like hey dude what's going on they're like hey (laughs) oh my god it's (laughs) like i came in and i was was gonna say hi to dean and then i was like oh this guy's here i didn't know if it was like one of the grass guys or whoever was like on (laughs) dean's deal i'm like well i'm not gonna bother i'm gonna leave and you were like oh so you're not gonna say bye i'm like oh oh oh, okay hey you 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 gotta grow can you grow the handlebars out? Yeah, the mustache comes in pretty hot, but you know I got some places. But see the way it looks kinda... right now. If you grew the mustache out, mm-hmm. you look like the dude from The Purge. You know, the, I have the seen that, but I don't remember who you're talking about. But at the end of the after the race, I was walking from the stadium back to the pits. I'm telling you, not a single like fan, no one, no, nobody, all yeah. day, and. Uh, I was walking back, and somebody was like, I think it was somebody that was with me. I don't remember who it was, but they're, oh, it was Roger Larson. Uh-huh. And uh, he, there's some fans sitting there or whatever, and he's like, hey, do you do you know this guy? Pointing at me. And the fan's like, is that Barsha? And Roger's <laughs> like, yeah, it's Barsha. So I took a picture with this group of people, <laughs> and, they thought, and they were thinking I was Justin Barsha. Nice. Uh, it was good. It was pretty funny. Well, thanks for coming by. Yeah. I was pumped because I saw you on Instagram that you're in California. So yeah, sitting good, in traffic. Good, good coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm stoked to be here and yeah, sit down and chat a little bit. Uh, well, we'll catch up again when you're back out. Yeah, Washougal. I'll be back. Mm-hmm. And Washougal, yep, I'll be there. All right, see you, buddy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening.